Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Mark the first chapter. I titled this message tonight because we're teaching on Know What We Believe. Tonight's message is called Divinely Equipped for a Divine Calling. Divinely equipped for a divine calling. I, divinely equipped for a spiritual calling, yeah, whatever. And so it's a divine calling. And God equipped us for what he called us to do. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. He equipped us. Uh, he equipped us spiritually. He, he equipped us biblically. Amen. And so we're going to look at these things tonight. But I'm going to focus tonight on something. I'm For years, listen, not months, for years, I've wanted to teach on 1 Corinthians 14. Because people have a misunderstanding in regards to uh, what uh, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is compared to the nine gifts of the Spirit in the book of Corinthians. And um, so I'm so excited about it because uh, I want you to be able to understand so that you can walk in a deeper revelation of the truth of God's Word. Can I have an amen to that? Now listen, as Christians, our spiritual identity is found in three baptisms. Number one, the baptism of regeneration, which is salvation. It's God's inward work by his spirit in our inner man. Uh, uh, Jesus calls it being born again in John the third chapter. Number two, the baptism of water or in water, which identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Can you grant all these so far? And then number three, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is our individual, our individual equipping for our divine calling. And our divine calling actually is this, and not difficult. Our divine calling is to be Christ-like in an unchrist-like world. Can you all agree with that? Yes. Amen. People always say, you know, what does God want me to do? He wants you to be Christ-like. Amen. We over-spiritualize everything because if we, don't, if we don't, you know, if we think that, you know, if we don't think that there's some kind of calling, you know, then we can't be fulfilled as Christians. Amen. God sent us into the world of our influence so that we could be a light to those that are in darkness. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. And so anyway, Mark the first chapter, verse one. Now, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. This is in the book of Isaiah, okay? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path uh, path straight. And John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Amen. Before Jesus died on the cross so that we could experience that baptism of regeneration, John preached the message of repentance, meaning what? That message was for those who recognized that they needed a Savior that was coming. You agree? Amen. He's coming. I need a savior. So therefore, I want to live a repentive life uh, so that when he comes, I can recognize his coming and receive the benefits of his coming. Amen. That's what he meant. Praise the Lord. So it was written at that baptism of repentance was specifically for the Jews. Okay. And then in verse verse eight, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he, that's Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. 
with the Holy Ghost. See, we have people in the church. We went to, we, I got to stay on course, but we went to a, I got born again in a church called um, Community Bible. It was a full gospel church, even though there wasn't much full gospel. Uh, meaning what? Uh, meaning what? Uh, they, they'd get filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and then uh, if you ask them, Did, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Said, yeah, we got filled with the Holy Ghost 24 years ago, and then they shelved the Holy Ghost and never, and, and never used that prayer language for their benefit. Okay? I'm just telling So anyway, that, so, but for three years, three and a half years, we were in that church running from these weird people that spoke in tongues because we didn't want to be like them. And if you, were, if you meet a person who speaks in tongues and they were weird, they were weird before they spoke in tongues. That's why you don't know that. Just, 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 just want to help you out. Amen. So, uh, so verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John. This was water baptized of John in the river Jordan. And immediately coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why was God pleased? Because Jesus had the faith and the courage to step into his full-time calling. And that is to eventually die for the sins of the world. And the Bible says, and after that, immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. Amen. And we know of course, 40 days of temptation. And it was the Holy Ghost that equipped him to conquer everything in those 40 days. He Actually, he conquered three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And um, that's found in 1 John, the, uh, the second chapter, verse 15 through 17. The Amplified Bible really lays it out beautiful if you want to read it. Okay. So, question. If Jesus needed the divine equipping to fulfill God's will... Would you agree that we need the same divine equipping? We need it. Okay. Just this one, you don't know that. Now, in John, the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter, Jesus, and we're not going to go there. I just want to read one verse. Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit to his disciples prior to his death. And here's what he said. He said, guys, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Isn't that beautiful? He through those three and a half years, was their comforter, taking care of them, providing for them, protecting them. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. And so, uh, so he said, you're going to receive another comforter, that he, this comforter, may abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever. Amen. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. How was the Holy Spirit dwelling with them? Through the life and ministry of Jesus. But the Bible says he's with you, but he shall be in you. Now, when John the 20th chapter, hang in here with me, because we're going to have some fun. In John the 20th chapter, verse 19, this is the Passion Translation. We're going to be spending some time in the Passion Translation uh, tonight which is going to bless your socks off. That evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of the reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they locked the doors. They had locked the doors. Didn't help, did it? (laughs) Because Jesus walked right through. (laughs) Suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Again, I'll just throw this out. 
just to help you. We, poor Timothy, no, not Timothy, who is the uh, Doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas ended up with the title Doubting Thomas, but they all doubted. In fact, if you read the, end, the last words in the book of uh, Matthew and the last words in the book of Mark, he upbraided all of them because of their unbelief. It says they all doubted. Isn't that something? So it wasn't just Thomas. They all doubted. The Bible says, he said unto them, uh, then Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. And <clears throat> Excuse me. And he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now this here is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they weren't born again yet. They couldn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until they were born again. So this is where they were born again. How do I know? It doesn't say it. Well, you have to, you have to. Read the whole counsel of God. When Adam laid there lifeless on the ground, what did God do? He leaned down and he breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit or the nature of God himself. So when he breathed onto the disciples, he was just simply mimicking his father or whatever you want to say. He, could, he was mimicking himself when he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Isn't that good? So, anyway... So they were born again at that very moment. Amen. This is the first baptism that every one of us get to enjoy called the baptism of regeneration. And then what follows after that, even though it wasn't in order in the book of Acts, you'll see some people were uh, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they were water baptized. Okay. But in this case, usually what followed that, uh, as we know from the book of Acts in chapter 2, that 3,000 Jewish men and women were converted to Christianity, or they didn't call it that at that time, were converted to Christ, and they were, 3,000 were baptized. Can you imagine how long that would take? Water baptized 3,000 people? And so water baptism for them was important. Why? Because it identified them. They made a public profession that they were being bold enough to say, I am identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So that was water baptism. Amen. Uh, and then let's read now, turn to Acts, the first chapter, verse 1. We'll just read a little bit here, and then we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians 14. Oh, stop, clock. Oh, anyway. <laughs> in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. This is Luke writing, okay, Dr. Luke. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions how? Through the Holy Spirit. Now, during the, 40 days that after, uh, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, proved to them that in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once he was, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized, you, uh, baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, or you're going to be baptized with the divine equipping for your divine calling. And see, every one of us know that it is a challenge to live the Christian life, or is it just me? Raise your hand if you agree with me. It's a challenge to live the Christian life. 
Yeah, you have, I mean, what's happening in Israel today is horrific, but it is a spiritual, it is a spiritual war, even though we see, you know, a demonstration of natural things going on, but it's a spiritual war, and it's been going on for 3,000 years, or 3,500 years, and Israel's going to win, by the way. God's, see, whether you... Whether you agree with it or like it or not, God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I will bless the seed of Abraham forever. My covenant will be with them forever. So though they may not be saved, they may be almost heathenic. I really do believe, I do believe with all my heart that Benjamin Netanyahu knows that there are 10 million Christians in America praying for Israel because he has spoken for uh, uh, CUFI. And so I believe he knows that, and, and it brings him strength. Amen. But um, uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. In fact, it's going to be pretty rough. But uh, they will win in the end. Amen. So third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 6. So when the, apostles, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you, guys, you will receive power. That word is dunamis. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Isn't that interesting? The word witness in the Greek means martyrs. You will be my my witnesses or my martyrs telling people, I mean, a martyr isn't somebody who's dead, it's somebody who's willing to give their life for the cause. Because it's not going to do God any good for you to be dead. <laughs> he wants you to be alive, to be a light to those in the darkness. <laughs> some of that, some of you went, Phew. Okay, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to tell people everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth about Jesus, the Son of the living God. Now, Acts, the second chapter. Now, verse 2, and when the, uh, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I love the King James here. They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house. Say all the house. Amen. Where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, wasn't fire, but it was like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is known as the day of Pentecost. Now, just to help you out, and I'll explain it, the word Pentecost in the Greek means 50th. 50th, that's what it means, okay? Now, uh, what does that mean? Listen to this, this is good. The 50th day following Christ's resurrection was when the first 120 newly saved believers received God's divine... Oh, forgive me. Let me say this. The 50th day after Israel's supernatural deliverance from Egypt, 50 days after their supernatural deliverance from Egypt, God's people received God's word carved on tablets of stone by the hand of God through... Moses, who was a type and shadow of Christ. Are you all with me so far? So they received the Ten Commandments, as we know, okay? That was on the 50th day after their deliverance. And um, 
And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the word of God was specific. He was specifically addressing the Ten Commandments. Okay? And then, um, and then the 50th day following Christ's resurrection, after the 50 days after his resurrection, it's so beautiful, uh, it was when the first 120 newly saved believers received God's divine equipping, listen, to live out the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Isn't that good? Or to live Christ-like in an unchrist-like world. It's so cool. 50 days, Israel receives the law. 50 days after Pentecost, they got the power to walk out the law in their lives. Beautiful. Okay. Acts 2, 4. The Bible says they began to speak in tongues or different languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. That word utterance means um, enunciation. Okay. And I wrote this down just to help all of you. So what's more important, speaking with tongues of angels or giving voice to the fruit or personality of the Holy Spirit? Well, they're both important. You should have both. You should have uh, the ability to be empowered through your union with God by that divine intimacy with him when you pray in the Holy Ghost. And you know when you pray in tongues, the devil can't understand you. Listen to this. It isn't coincidental that God placed the love chapter of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians between the list of the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12 and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 14. Because God and the devil, they both know that the gifts of the Spirit are worthless without the presence of love. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to go there. Uh, uh, I was going to read, this is going to give you these two. Acts 10 Verse 44 in Acts 19, verse 1 through 6. Those two are stories of how the disciples were prayed for for the infilling of the Spirit. And it actually says, and they, and they, and they spoke in tongues, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? I just want you to know, you can read yourself. I don't have time to go there because I want to focus on 1 Corinthians 14. Now, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it lists the nine gifts of the Spirit. So let's, we're going to read those first. Say, say gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the yeah, they're gifts from him, gifts that he chooses to give to individuals, okay? All right, now, so we're going to go there. Are you all with me so far? I hope you're not bored. Uh, first, now, real quick. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led, now, let's forget that. Verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Holy Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Holy Spirit divide into every man severally as he wills. Now, let me read the Amplified here in verse 11. 
All these gifts or these achievements or abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. Now, here's we're going to get into this. Now. So let's, now, we've already been talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts, the second chapter, which is the infilling of the Spirit for every individual, listen to me now, for your personal building up. It's for your personal spiritual life. It's for you. Okay? Because every day you need a measure of building up. Right? Every day you need some strength. So God, God provided this beautiful spiritual intimacy with God by the Spirit as he speaks through you in something called unknown tongues. It's not unknown to God, but it's unknown to you. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 is for every believer. But you have to want it. You have to want it. Uh, God just doesn't throw. Just like salvation, God waited for you to ask for it. And when you asked for it, did you get it? Amen. It's the same with this divine equipping that you need for your personal life as a Christian. Okay? So, of the nine, again, I'm just, of the nine gifts of the Spirit, there are two that I want to teach on tonight. The gift, uh, the, the, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. These are the two, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of the tongues that were spoken, okay? All right, let's. So these tongues right here are different than the tongues that you received when you asked the Lord to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I just want you to help you understand it. Why? Because if you don't understand that, you'll be confused on everything that Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians, uh, the 14th chapter. You'll just, and we'll read it here in the, as we go on, okay? Now, let me, so Acts 2 was the fulfillment of God's promise Jesus gave to his disciples. God's provision of supernatural empowerment for every individual believer, Okay? Where the two gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation of tongues, listen, like prophecy, are for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Listen. And when are they operating? During the corporate gatherings of the people. Speaking in your own personal language is for you, private, is for you personally, privately. Now, there are times, like we did last week, I asked the people, now, some of you, or many of you that pray in tongues, Pray right now over, we're going to pray over Israel. We don't quite know how to pray, so if we pray in the Spirit, we'll be praying the heart and will of God regarding that situation, okay? But, but otherwise in services, if there's going to be tongues, then there, there, there must be an interpretation, why? Otherwise, it's worthless for anybody around you because you're, 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 just, you're just edifying yourself, but you haven't edified anybody around you because they ain't got a clue what you're saying. Are you with me so far? And we'll read this as we go. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go up 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> the, the reason I'm telling you this is I, I don't have time to read. I skipped one verse out of Hebrews 11. The reason they, this was so important, uh, what was important, uh, prophecy, Tongues, interpretation, they all flow together. Prophecy is speaking in English so people understand what you're saying. And what do they do? They bring 
edification, exhortation, and comfort. Why? Because you understand what they're saying. Hey, I just want you to know, things are going to be okay. You know, God's going to bless your life, you know. Right? You understand what they're saying? But if I can't remember, Rabaso con broqueque la bajase querianda. Randy's going, oh, that's wonderful. Don't understand a word. I didn't profit him at all because it was in tongues. Are you with me so far? Oh, this is, this is fun. Okay, let's go to 14. Well, remember, I've been teaching this for years. I want to teach this for years. So you're getting it tonight. First Corinthians 14. It is, this is the Passion Bible now, so hang in there. This is going to really get good. Amen. It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts. This is Paul writing. Especially prophecy. When someone speaks in tongues, Paul, now let's announce stuff. Paul is referencing the tongues they received at Pentecost. Why? Because he goes on. When someone speaks in tongues or in his personal prayer language, no one understands a word he says. And why? Because he's not speaking to people, but to God. He is speaking intimate mysteries of the spirit, in the spirit. Okay, so he's talking about your personal prayer language, okay? But when someone prophesies, listen, or speaks words of understanding under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. Is that good? Yeah. Hallelujah. And why are they encouraged? Because the gift of prophecy is always brought forth in one's native tongue, which for us would be English. All right? Now, if you were in a Spanish church, right, and somebody spoke in tongues to somebody interpret that, they, uh, uh, or somebody interpret that tongues, they'd interpret it in Spanish because it's a Spanish church. If it was in French, oui, oui, we would speak. We would, you, didn't know I, you didn't know I knew French, did you? <laughs> they would, the, the interpretation would come in French. Let's go on. Verse 4. Hallelujah. The one who speaks in tongues, that's Acts 2, tongues, advances his own spiritual progress. Why? Because he's praying in his own personal prayer language, okay? While the one who prophesies builds up the church corporately. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. Watch this. But I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. Meaning his own prayer language, his private prayer language. Okay, unless, aha, uh-huh, here it is, unless there's an interpretation. So now we know if there's an interpretation, it's got to be the gift of tongues preceding the interpretation. Not the tongues that you received at Pentecost, but one of the, the nine gift, the, the gift of tongues has to precede the interpretation of the tongue. Are you, are you with me so far? I'm not trying to be confusing. I just want you to understand there's a difference so you, so you understand uh, how... A church operates. Because a lot of times, you know, if you're, and there's nothing wrong, but a lot of times if we're, you, let's, just, let's just simply say, um, uh, let's just say Pat is just a hard-nosed uh, woman who, you know, is visiting church for the first time. She thinks we're all a bunch of loonies. And then we say, well, we're going to pray. And then somebody besides her begins to pray in tongues. 
It's not going to benefit her at all. Not at all. It's going to actually turn her off. Because she didn't have, a, she thinks these people are, you know. I, I heard they were loonies. No, I know they're loonies. So if you want to pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost real quiet. Yes, there are specific times and services where we do that. But in, generally in a service, if there's going to be tongues, there should be interpretation. And, and then what is that? I mean, okay. So you want to pray in tongues? Pray in tongues for an hour before you come to church. Yeah. You'll be so built up, you'll be able to minister to people That's good. with your natural language. Yeah. I'm just trying, okay, we'll see this as we go on. Verse 6. My dear friends, we're just going to finish this now and then we'll close. My dear friends, what good is it if I come to you always speaking in tongues or in my own personal prayer language, but if I come with a clear revelation from God, isn't that beautiful? Or with insight or with prophecy or with a clear teaching, I can enrich you. Amen. Similarly, if musical instruments such as flutes or stringed instruments are out of tune, Brady will get on them. <laughs> and don't play the arrangement clearly. How, how will anyone recognize the melody? If the bugle makes a garbled sound, who will recognize a signal to show up for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak in a language that easily is, uh, that's easily understood, how will anyone know what you're talking about? You might as well save your breath. I suppose that the world has all sorts of languages, which they do, and each conveys meaning to the ones who speak it. But I am like a foreigner if I don't understand the language, and the speaker will be like a foreigner to me. Isn't this good? So we want to have church service, and people come, and they, they think they're in France. <laughs> or they think they're in Mexico. Because there's a language that they're not familiar with. See, the only thing I know in Spanish is donde este el baño. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? Very important when you're in Mexico. <laughs> Amen. Watch this. This is beautiful. And that's what's happening among you. You are so passionate about embracing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now become even more passionate about the things that strengthen, watch, that strengthen what? The entire church. Isn't this good? Yeah. So then if you speak in a tongue or in a corporate setting, pray for the interpretation to be able to unfold the meaning of what you're saying. Isn't that good? So if you have an urge to speak in tongues... Make sure it's the tongue of the Holy Spirit of the nine gifts of the Spirit so there can be interpretation to benefit everybody that's in the congregation. Now, there have been some tongues lately, the last month, and the Holy Ghost comes and speaks in English to interpret them. Why? Because if there was no interpretation, then the tongues were for nothing because it didn't inspire anybody but the one speaking in tongues. Is this helping you tonight? This, because we, we want, praise God, we want all nine gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. Amen. So God can do what he wants to do. Now watch this. So then if you speak in a tongue, oh yeah, I read that. Okay, verse 14. For if I am praying in, in a tongue, 
That's in, my, that's in my personal prayer language. My spirit is engaged in prayer, but I have no clear understanding of what's being said. It's true. Now, Brother Hagin taught us that when you, when you practice praying in the spirit, there'll be times, listen, where the spirit of God will interpret what you're saying in English so you know what he's telling you. Whoa, is that awesome or what? It's like when you're in a business deal, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost interprets it and you begin to speak out and say, wow, I just got this word from God regarding what I'm to do. Supernatural. How many want to live a supernatural life? Amen. That's part of it. Now watch this. Now, where am I at? Help me out here. 16, 15? So here's what I've concluded. I will pray in the spirit, but I will also pray with my mind engaged. I will sing rapturous praises in the spirit, but I will also sing with my mind engaged. There will be times you just get in the car and I just worship God in the spirit. I don't know what I'm saying, but it's praising him. But it wouldn't benefit you. But if I said, then sings my soul, my Savior, God to me. Oh, yeah, I get that. (laughs) Is this good or what? So we get both. You can sing in the spirit, praise God. And you can sing in the natural. You can speak by the spirit. But you also, praise God, should have an utterance in English of what the spirit is saying in a corporate setting. Boy, this is good. Well, watch this. Now, otherwise, if you're praising God in the spirit, how could someone without the gift, what gift? The gift of interpretation. Uh, uh, participate by adding his amen to your giving of thanks since he doesn't have a clue what you're saying. Your praise to God is admirable, but it does nothing to strengthen and build up others. Others, that's the corporate setting. Now, watch this. This is, I've been saying it, but he says it here in the Passion. I give thanks to God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul prayed in tongues all the time. Watch this. But in the church setting, in the church setting, I would rather speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 exotic words in a tongue. That way I could have a role in teaching others. So Paul's saying, man, pray in the Holy Ghost. Man, spend, I mean, when you're at lunch in your car, pray in the Holy Ghost. Just build yourself up, praise God. So when you get back to work, hallelujah, you'll be speaking things by the Spirit that other people need. Amen. Isn't this good? But in a corporate setting, tongues doesn't benefit anybody except there's an interpretation of that tongue. Let's go on. Almost done here. Beloved ones, don't remain as immature children in your reasoning as it relates to evil. Be like newborns. You know, it's interesting. Just let me me say this because I just remembered something. If you read the first chapter of Corinthians, you'll find that the church was fighting. There's division and strife in the church. So they had a great zeal to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but it wasn't benefiting anybody because there was strife in the church. What am I saying? I mean, yeah, you can operate 
you know, you can operate in the spirit, but it doesn't benefit anybody if you're always in division and strife. So he was trying to straighten that out. So they had a zeal for the uh, gifts of the spirit, but it wasn't benefiting anybody. So, for its, uh, as, as it relates to evil, be like newborns, but in your thinking, be mature adults. Watch this now. For it stands written in the law, I will bring my message to this people with strange tongues and foreign lips. That's in Isaiah, okay? With stammering lips, I'll speak to other people. It says that, okay? Out of that King James. Yet even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are not a sign for believers, but a miracle for unbelievers. Now, now, not your personal prayer tongues, the tongues and interpretation. The, uh, just your personal tongues won't benefit an unbeliever at all. He doesn't think you're loony. But if there comes an interpretation that he understands, praise God, then his heart is convicted and God begins to minister to him. That's beautiful. Prophecy, on the other hand, is not for unbelievers, but a miracle sign for believers. Why? Because it's English. You can understand what the Spirit is saying. If the entire church comes together and everyone is speaking in tongues, won't the visitors say that you've all lost your minds? <laughs> but if everyone is prophesying and an unbeliever or one without the gift enters your meeting, he will be convicted by all that he hears and will be, and will be called to account for the intimate secrets of his heart will be brought to light. Isn't that beautiful? That's how much God cares for people. If you got somebody coming in there visiting church, and all of a sudden, if there's a tongue and the interpretation comes, many times the interpretation will be just for them. Yes, absolutely. They hear the message. Wow, God is saying something to me. That's how much God cares for people. See, sometimes we're just so selfish as Christians because we come to church only for ourselves. But when we come and step through those doors, we say, God, use me today to minister to somebody. I was a lousy pastor when I was young. Just a lousy pastor. Why? Because people would come out of church and you could see the heaviness on them. I wouldn't do anything about it. I was just, it's terrible. I've gotten better. But God cares for people. I mean, He cares for all of you, but He cares, He really cares for people that are visiting. Well, it's kind of cute. I'll say one of the officers are out here, and he said to me, he came back. He's been here before, and he came back, and he goes, wow, when I got a phone call that they needed security over at Faith Family Church, that's, he said to me, he goes, I said, I get to go to the church where everybody is so friendly? Yeah. Yeah, clap for yourselves. That's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. I didn't come up to him and go, Hurribas, hukadamaha. Pulls the gun out. <laughs> Could I? Sure. I speak in tongues. I can speak in tongues anytime. Beloved friends. <laughs> Verse 26. We got to wind this up. Are you getting into something? Is this helping you tonight? Thank you. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to help you and teach you. Beloved friends, what does all this imply? Well, when you conduct your meetings, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. Isn't that good? 
Whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, a divine revelation, or a tongue and interpretation. That's so good. Let each one contribute what strengthens others. If someone speaks in a tongue, it should be two or three, one after another, with someone interpreting. Now, if there's no one with the interpretation, then he should remain silent in the meeting, content to speak to himself and to God. And the same way with prophecy. Let two or three prophets prophesy and let the other prophets carefully evaluate and discern what's being said. Because in those days, you got to remember, in those days, there were people prophesying that Jesus hadn't come, people prophesying that he wasn't the Savior. There's all sorts of stuff going on. It's a miracle the church survived. All right, let's stand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.